You're listening to the Happy as a Mother podcast. Today, I am excited to welcome Whitney Goodman to the show. Whitney is the radically honest psychotherapist behind the popular Instagram account, Sit With Wit. Whitney released her debut book called Toxic Positivity, Keeping It Real in a World Obsessed with Being Happy earlier this year, and I couldn't wait to sit down with her and pick her brain about this topic. Our journeys through trying to conceive pregnancy and postpartum are no stranger to toxic positivity and minimizing and dismissing comments from people around us and in our lives. So I invited Whitney to come and share about this topic with us so that we could understand what toxic positivity is, what it sounds like, how we know when we're experiencing it, why it feels so hurtful, and also how to manage toxic positivity in moments when we're in conversations with those around us. If you've been met with overly positive comments like, oh, you should be grateful that you have a healthy baby, or motherhood is such a blessing, then you are going to love this episode. Let's tune in to my conversation with Whitney. The postpartum period is a major transition in your life. Overnight, you went from being able to care for yourself to having a little baby rely on you for every need. Sleep deprivation, crying, uncertainty in your parenting choices, these can all take a toll on your mental health. While baby blues are normal and will resolve on their own in a few weeks, many moms suffer from more. If you find yourself irritable, depressed, anxious, experiencing loss of interest in the things you used to enjoy, or simply feeling unlike yourself, you could be experiencing postpartum depression or anxiety. It might be time to seek help. The Happy as a Mother Wellness Center can connect you with a maternal mental health therapist. We offer teletherapy services, allowing us to connect anywhere with secure and convenient appointments that save you time and hassle. You can access much needed mental health care from your desktop, laptop, tablet, or phone. Your mental health matters. Take the first step towards wellness by booking a free 15-minute consultation with a mom therapist near you. Visit happyasamother.co slash book to schedule your free consult today. That's happyasamother.co slash book. Welcome to the Happy as a Mother podcast, where we're dedicated to helping you cope with the load of motherhood. I'm your host and registered psychotherapist, Erica Jossa. We all had expectations going into motherhood, but reality often has a different plan. Let's work together in shattering unrealistic expectations, letting go of shame and guilt, and accepting where we are on our motherhood journey. We'll pack a toolbox for motherhood with expert advice, practical tips, relatable stories, real moments, and honest conversations. My goal is to give you the knowledge, tools, and resources you need to parent more freely. However, this podcast should not replace the advice of your healthcare provider. It's time to do motherhood differently, toss out the idea of perfect, and enjoy the journey. Let's dive in. Whitney, thank you so much for taking the time to be here with us today. When I saw the release of your book and I saw you were taking interviews, I've kind of bumped shoulders and seen you around the Instagram world for a while. So I'm so happy to just have the opportunity to sit down and get to know each other. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. So 
so curious because like as a therapist who's been on social media for since like 2019, 2020 time, I can distinctly remember when you first put out this post on toxic positivity, naming this invalidating experience. Like there was so much attention and I'm sure it was mixed. Some people were like, how can positivity be toxic? And there was all of this sort of commentary around it. So help me with this journey to now a full-fledged book, like incredible. Yeah. So when I did write that post, it was a very polarizing response. Yeah. And then it's so interesting because the more I kept writing about it over time, especially throughout the pandemic, I noticed a shift of people being like, okay, I get this now. This makes sense. And so when the book came out, it wasn't as strong of a reaction. I think there's definitely still some circles where people are like, this is bad, this is negative, whatever. But the people who it resonates with are seeming to find it and be like, oh, wow, I've always felt like this. Mm-hmm. Was there like a moment or a aha moment or an inspiration moment that led to that making of the post? Was it like in session or in your own life? Where's the inspiration from? I think for a long time, I had been feeling like there was such an overemphasis on positivity. You know, I worked with a lot of like chronically ill people. I worked in cancer care and there was always this mantra going around of like, you have to be positive if you're going to beat this. Mm. And I felt like, gosh, what a tall order for people that are already not doing well. And a member of my family has dealt with chronic illness for a while and just navigating that whole side of like the medical world. I was like, oh my gosh, this is wild that we're putting this pressure on people. I also saw, you know, with all my other clients. And of course, when I got pregnant and I was going through all of that, I was like, oh my gosh, this is everywhere. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Since like prepping for this interview and since reading your book, I've been keeping an eye out and I have been seeing this everywhere. And I have a really great example from last night, but first I would love to hear and define for the audience who maybe haven't pieced it together yet. What are we talking about when we're talking about toxic positivity? How would you define it? Toxic positivity is the unrelenting pressure to be happy or positive all the time and to be pursuing that no matter what the circumstances are. I think relationally, I like to define it as offering someone a very simple solution for a complicated problem that we know absolutely nothing about. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I see that from a therapist lens, from my perspective, as we want a solution or we want a quick fix or we want to give something so that we don't have to like actually feel the pain or like sit with that moment. It's almost like whatever that person is going through is too much for even us to handle. So we want to just offer them something back. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. I think a lot of times it's well-intentioned fixing yeah. that comes up of people like, oh, well, if you just try this, if you just do that it'll all be better. You know, just smile, just take a walk, <laughs> like whatever it is. And it's like, wow, you really don't get how big this feels for me. Mm-hmm. As I was preparing for this interview and like, forgive me, everybody who hates reality TV and the Kardashians, but I was watching the Kardashian <laughs> premiere last night. Anyone who knows me knows like I am just a reality TV junkie. I love it as well. Kelly, you've got to have some balance in life, you know? <laughs> And in this premiere, Chloe is talking about how Tristan cheated all of this, but she had decided to have a baby and they had, you know, done the embryo transfer right before this whole scandal blew up. And so this baby is coming into the world and, you know, 
the whole episode is like, but babies are a blessing and you should be excited. And, you know, like God has a plan, a lot of faith related statements and comments. And I just thought that it was such an interesting example because I see this behind closed doors with clients all the time. Everything happens for a reason or, you know, everything in its timing type of questions. And when we're dealing with something as significant as a human, like little baby life and the responsibility that that means for the mother and the parents, we're dealing with a whole entire, you know, sack of emotions that are just mixed and complex and there's ambivalence and there is, you know, dread and then there's moments of joy and there's excitement and it is different for everybody. And then in this episode, all I'm seeing is like, this is such a blessing. Mm -hmm. So I'm really curious to unpack this for moms because there's a lot of shame around having, I think, mixed or negative or complex feelings around our role? There's a ton of shame around that. And I think what you're describing is in this Kardashian's episode is such a perfect example of how this goes down, where someone is saying like, I feel upset. There's something going on here that's difficult for me. And everyone's looking at the positive side. And I think for women and mothers, especially, there's this thing of like, you shouldn't have any negative feelings when it comes to being a mother, you know, what goes on in the day. Like it should all just be a blessing and beautiful. And we all know anybody who has children knows that that is just not true. <laughs> There's a lot of blessings, but it's also hard. Yeah. Yeah. And so what is the outcome of this toxic positivity? Because you know, the family members in the episode, for example, are well-intentioned and they just so want to celebrate this life and they want to help Chloe feel better. And Chloe's our case study for today, apparently, <laughs> for, this, <laughs> for this episode. But they want to help her feel better and they like they want to help in some way. But there's like ripple effects to this toxic positivity, isn't there? Absolutely. So the ultimate downside of toxic positivity is that it makes us feel like what we're feeling is wrong. We shouldn't be feeling it. There's some shame around us feeling that thing. And, and it causes people to suppress what they're going through. And also to say, I'm going to keep this hidden and I'm not going to connect with you over this because you don't seem to understand what I'm going through or really have any interest mm. learning about it. You just want me to be happy and smiley and okay. And I think that's where a lot of people go into like pretending mode and just acting like they're fine when they're not. And that's when we hear a lot of people in the end being like, I had no idea they were struggling so much. They always seemed so happy. You know, how many times do we hear that after someone has gone into a dark place? And it's like, mm. oh, maybe there's a reason for that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm thinking on the front end of the comments that come up when we find out that we're pregnant, maybe intentionally, but dynamics in our relationship change, or maybe unplanned and unintended. And we have a lot of ambivalence. We didn't sign up for parenthood right now. Or I've had clients who spontaneously get pregnant after having a very traumatic birth. And it's like, my life could be on the line here. So there's so many complex feelings on that front end. But then if we take it to the back end of postpartum period and the high risk time 
and the postpartum depression and anxiety and mix of, you know, things that ensue there. And then there's a lot of like, you should be grateful you have a healthy baby or like it comes on the back end too. Mm -hmm. And like when we continually meet people with this type of response, as you were saying, they like close off, I guess. Hey, like the impact on the person is that, okay, my feelings are too big to put out on the tape. Like nobody can meet me where I'm at or. Yep. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm very open about the fact that I had postpartum depression after I had my son. And I think there was this huge gap of what I was feeling and what I thought I should be feeling and what Mm. people are telling me that I should be feeling. And that's where I find that toxic positivity does a lot of damage because you're like, oh, why am I not so happy? Why am I not celebrating this? Why don't I feel good? And everyone around you is like, isn't it such a blessing? Isn't this the best time of your life? And you're like, not really. I'm kind of drowning here. Right. And if you mention that and then someone responds to you with like, oh, well, be grateful you have a a healthy baby. After that, like I know for myself, I'm going to be like, okay, I'm done talking about this. Right. Because clearly what I'm feeling is wrong. Right. And like, I must be the only one who feels this way. Other people must not feel this way. It must just be me. Like if no one else can see the struggle and identify it and it keeps getting like shut down by other people, Mm -hmm. it must just be me, you know? And I think that what you said, like this should be the most amazing time in a mom's life or in a parent's life that came up in the episode last night. Like this is supposed to be such a beautiful time in your life. You're never going to get these moments back and this real pressure on like enjoying every moment. And let me tell you, as a mom of three young children who went through postpartum anxiety and depression, I did not enjoy every moment. There's a lot of moments that I actually despised and dreaded and wrestled with and questioned, what the hell did I get myself into? Mm -hmm. But then there were absolute moments of joy. And those moments of frustration didn't undo my love for my child, didn't undo my commitment to them. But we're allowed to have ambivalence in our role and still, you know, be good moms and still love our children and still want to be here, but still say that here freaking sucks sometimes. Like this is really hard. Yeah. We don't have to enjoy every moment, do we? No. There's something about a woman being honest about that that makes people very uncomfortable though. Like I see this happening online a lot, especially on TikTok lately. There's been a resurgence of moms being very honest about how they feel. And I see the comments and I'm like, gosh, people are so angry Mm. when a woman says that she has mixed feelings about something. It's, there's a lot of toxic positivity in that realm. Yeah, I see it. I see it all the time. Mm -hmm. One of the things I found myself thinking about as I was reading into the first few chapters of the book was when I've heard toxic positivity the most in my life personally, outside of motherhood, because I think that that probably trumps all things for me, it was in like my faith background growing up. Yeah. So can we unpack that a little bit? Because there is this like faith gets brought into this toxic positivity a lot. Yes. So the church and faith-based communities are actually really the birthplace of toxic positivity when we look back at the history that this all really got started through religion. If you look at books like The Power of Positive Thinking, they're all about God. 
Hmm. And they're very religious at their core. And it's like, God wants you to be happy. God wants you to be rich. He wants you to be successful. These are the messages we hear in a lot of like big churches today. And I think there's nothing wrong with believing that God wants those things for you, that you believing that things happen for a reason or because there's a God. The problem arises when we put that belief on other people Mm. that do not ascribe to that same set of beliefs and who that feels shaming for. So if I'm not a religious person and I'm sharing with you about how I feel, you're saying, well, God's got you. He's got it all figured out. You know, give it to God and let him do it. I'm going to be like, that doesn't make me feel better. You know, that's not my set of beliefs. And I think that's where we see a lot of friction and where it feels like toxic positivity. Mm-hmm. I can see that. I can see how in some of these moments, and I think about motherhood and I think about spontaneous pregnancies and I think about lots of different things. And we talk to our community, our faith communities, our friends, and we're met with their lens of their experience and their beliefs around whether it's life or meaning for this baby or however they interpret the situation, like offering that up to the person. Oh gosh, does it feel invalidating? Like it, like to not get on that person's level and understand what this means for them. Yes. Um, so I can see that. I can see it as it pertains to motherhood. I can see it as it pertains to lots of other things in life. But I think about these comments. I think about being in these communities where we go for belonging and we go mm-hmm. for community and we go for a shared common purpose and values. So I feel like there's almost an extra layer of hurt there when we've got this trust and belonging in these communities and then this toxic positivity emerges. It's almost like a whole other level of isolation and feeling lonely. To me, at least, that's how it feels as we describe it. No, I I agree with that. I think there's also this other feeling of like sometimes if you are being negative or you doubt whatever your beliefs are, their power to get you through something, people shame you for Mm. that. Like there's this feeling of like, I shouldn't have doubt. I shouldn't have negative thoughts. I should be able to know that my faith is going to get me through this. Oh, that's a big one. That's like a core belief, core thinking. Like I am not good enough at having trust and faith in God because I experience fear or doubt or negative emotions. Oh, that's what we carry with us into everything, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I was a part of a community who spoke that way and talked that way for a really long time. And so I can see and identify that belief in myself even for a really long time. Like clearly you don't have enough faith in God if you don't pray and expect that he'll handle it for you and resolve the situation. And these types of conversations where I'm like, but there's a very real situation that I need the practical life skills to climb myself out of. And I'm not finding those practical (laughs) skills here anywhere, you know, like that piece where it's like the anxiety is climbing because I know I'm ill-prepared and praying about it while that might be helpful to some degree, doesn't give me the practical skills I need to tackle this situation right now. So like I'm, I'm drowning, you know? And then the cycle continues from there. And so I can see that in so many deep aspects of our life. And I feel like this starts to blend and lead over to, and I feel like as I would like have a question pop up in my mind in this book, it would be the next place you would go. And I was like, (laughs) thank you. That's so good. Because I feel like this starts to like creep over into like wellness and self-development and like on TikTok, on social media, societally speaking, there is this like, you always have to be improving. You always have to be doing better. And 
Talk to me about that because I feel like it all ties in here. Yeah, that is probably the area where I've gotten the most pushback on this book. Interesting. People kind of in that world of like, we should always be pushing, always be doing better. And I get it. There's a billion dollar industry built on the back of this idea that we are only one thought away from being more positive, being richer, whatever it is. Mm. And what I've noticed as a therapist is that that belief of like, I'm not good enough. I need to always be trying to be better is actually what keeps people very stuck. And I think when people are able to accept, like, I like myself, I want to take care of myself, they actually end up doing more Mm. than when they're coming from this shame-based place of like, I have to lose weight because I hate my body. I have to punish myself into looking a certain way. It's not helpful and it doesn't feel good. You like talk about acceptance. It feels like such an important conversation here because when I'm hearing self-development and I'm hearing wellness and I'm hearing even some of these faith-based conversations, there feels like a constant striving involved. I think about even moms in the postpartum period where it's like they might have trouble with the weight gain in pregnancy or maybe they feel okay about it because, you know, it's our time to gain weight and whatever and we can feel fine about it. But then when baby is born and we have a tummy that still looks pregnant for a while or forever, possibly, the pressure that starts to come about like snapping back and postpartum body image. And I do these weekend polls on Instagram and body image is always a theme that comes in. So help me understand this striving versus acceptance relationship. I think it's a delicate balance because sometimes I feel like body positivity has gone to such a far out place that now if you want to work on yourself and you want to do things for yourself, it's almost demonized. Mm. That I find that there's this happy medium that you have to come back to the place of like, am I doing this for myself because I like and respect myself and it feels good for me? Or am I doing this to be accepted and because I feel like I'm not worthy So I tell people like, if you want to go get Botox, if you want to dye your hair, whatever, that's fine. Like, I don't think we should shame women for that, but more about asking like, where is this coming from? What am I serving through doing this action? And I think that helps determine sort of the value of what's going on there and what the purpose of it is. Mm -hmm. It makes me think of how I had Dr. Becky Kennedy on recently talking about her approach, like good inside for Mm -hmm. children, for parents, you know, this perspective of like, we are good. And I think that this comes in on this really personal level here too, where we don't need positivity and we don't want self-loathing, but if we could just acknowledge like our neutrality and that our existence is like inherently good in some way and just give ourselves the benefit of the doubt in that way, I might not wake up and like adore myself every day and look in the mirror and be like, wow, like you got it going on, (laughs) you know, but I can say my body's going to serve me today. And there's all of these things that I'm going to do living in this body. And am I going to do it perfectly? Probably not. Most definitely not. But is it going to get me there? And is it going to serve me? And is it, you know, and I think that that's what you're talking about is that middle ground, that neutrality of like, we don't need to be perfect. We don't want to jump off the ship. Like we want to find a ground where there's some peace, some peace of mind, some 
acceptance, I guess, is really what it comes down to. Yeah. I, I love what you said there because I think for some people, I know for me, it was like, I accepted my body, but I also wanted to feel like myself again. And that wasn't really about necessarily weight or how I looked, but being able to like wear clothes that I used to wear or feel like you used to feel, you know, before mm-hmm. you had kids. And that's okay to want to think about that, but also in the moment be like, I'm not in a season where that can be a priority right now. My body is doing a lot for me and, and accepting that place. Mm-hmm. I think that like for a lot of moms that I've worked with, this comes down to like, when we boil it down, you know, we want to feel like ourselves. We want to like, I don't know, kind of get back to our old self or, or our old body. And there's a lot of conversation there. And I feel like it starts to come down to, well, why can't I do it? Cause I don't have time. And why can't, like, don't I have time? Cause I just went through this whole transition and my whole life is about this little human <laughs> and not about me. And like, yeah. in so many ways, I feel like when we distill that down, it's really like, I want to put myself first in some areas and I can't right now. And how do we cope with that until we're through the chaos that is postpartum and start to reclaim some of those pieces. And like, as a first time mom, when you're in those throws, like you don't know you come out of it. Like you don't know that there is yes. a light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> you feel like, what the hell did I sign up for? Is this my entire existence now? Right? Yep. So yeah, like I can see that. And I think that so many people listening can relate to that. So true. You never know when it's going to end. Like, oh my gosh, first time, like <laughs> the second time was just like such a like gift to me because I was way less anxious. It's like, you know, yeah. all those things. I knew what to expect and how long the stages would be. It was just such a different experience then. Okay. So we have identified toxic positivity. We have identified how it comes up in pregnancy and postpartum and that, you know, motherhood is not lacking in these comments and things. So I guess I have two questions here. One, as the individual, how do we respond when people say these things? And then two, we're going to talk about some ways that we can respond appropriately to our mom friends and people in our community. So why don't we start with the individual? So if someone said something really invalidating and I feel like I've just been shut down and I want to back out of the room now, I don't even want to be here. Like, how do we respond in those moments? First, I would consider what's the type of the relationship, right? I would have people say things to me early postpartum, like the grocery store that upset me and they're strangers. And so it's like, uh, you can just kind of say thanks and move on. If it's your mom or a close friend, I think in that moment, it's okay to say, I know you're really trying to help me. I know that you want to be helpful, whatever it is and say, and that doesn't feel helpful to me. And then clearly explain what would be better instead. And I know that's really hard sometimes, but even just saying like, I would love if you could just listen, or if you could help me with the laundry or drop off food and give those people who are trying to help the tools to help you. If someone continues to just do this with you, it might not be good to go to them anymore with problems. Mm -hmm. It'd be worth setting a boundary. And also you can just straight up say, I don't appreciate when you say that to me, please stop saying Mm -hmm. that to me. Hmm. Yeah. Like that doesn't feel good or that doesn't like, however, in your own wording or your own tone saying like, mm-hmm. oh, that's not what I needed right now. Exactly. You said something really important here that gets lost. I think sometimes, especially when I'm in these mom communities is not everybody's opinion here is equally weighted. Not everybody here gets as significant of a say. 
And like, can we just talk about arguing with strangers on the internet for a minute? Like, <laughs> and in terms of, I picture, and I go through this in session, and, and I'm sure you probably have your own analogies, but I picture like our boundaries and how we weight people's opinions in these sort of like spheres or rings in our life, right? Like our inner core is like our partner and our like best friend that mm-hmm. we could tell anything to and our real, you know, people who we can let all those boundaries down. Then we step out, we maybe have some family, extended family, you know, coworkers or friendships that are still trustworthy, but still not like that inner core. And then we start to step out even broader to like peers and, you know, random colleagues we chit chat with. And then we're out to like acquaintances. And then past acquaintances were out to freaking strangers on the internet who don't get a freaking say in how we parent, you know, just to put some perspective here that not everyone's opinion deserves to be equally valued, does it? It does not. I will say there is a weird thing that happens, I think, especially when you are a first time parent, that when you feel insecure about things that you're doing, not able to do, those comments, those people, their voices sound very loud. Yes, they do. Like, I know when I wasn't able to breastfeed, anybody that was like formula shaming, I would be like, oh my God, I'm the worst mom. Yeah. And it could be a person that I don't even know what they're talking about. But until I got more secure and how I felt about my choices, it sounded very loud. And so I think you have to practice in those fragile moments of telling yourself mm. like that person doesn't know my story. They don't know what's going on. And if they did, they probably wouldn't speak to me like this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think about those moments that you're describing, like, I think we've all gone to like mom groups or Facebook groups or, you know, these discussion boards in search of something. Am I doing the right thing here? Yes. And we're like desperate to like, know, like we need that reassurance. That was my postpartum anxiety talking. So like, you know, I needed a lot of reassurance potentially. And then when I realized, hey, the world parents in lots of different ways and I'm not necessarily right, I would like go down this like spiral, right? And so I think that what you're saying about having these protective measures or boundaries in place, if I know, okay, my values around parenting, you know, really are only known by my partner and my close friends and whatever. So I'm going to try and limit the amount of noise that comes in from acquaintances, peers, strangers, and try and like even limit what I take in in terms of consume during, like you said, these fragile times, that boundary setting can really help us just find our own voice and intuition. And and we're going to stumble our way through and it's really clunky and uncomfortable, but people have never parented with thousands and hundreds and, you know, of people's voices and opinions coming in their direction before. It's incredibly overwhelming and can add to anxiety, whether you're like have clinical levels of anxiety or not, just really can send us down a spiral, can't it? So I think that like limiting that consumption, is there anything else there in terms of boundary setting with those pieces that come to mind or... I think limiting the consumption is very important. And and like you said earlier, just considering who you're going to when you need reassurance, when you're feeling fragile about something, and even just trying to give yourself that reassurance of like, this is why I made this decision. Mm. You know, this is why this decision is the right decision for me and my child. And almost asking yourself, like, if I didn't hear any of this noise, would I be doubting Mm. what I'm doing right now? Mm-hmm. I think that's a really great idea. Like who are five safe people 
or even three, right? Like identifying your core safe people that you know are not going to respond with toxic positivity, are not going to respond out of their own insecurity, anxiety, and try and prove their rightness to you, even though you guys are on different sides of the parenting philosophies, you know? Like, who are your safe people? I think that's a really great suggestion. Yes. So for those of us who maybe are done having babies and out of the postpartum stage, but have lots of moms in our lives, and moms are maybe unexpectedly getting pregnant or are struggling with infertility or secondary infertility or, you know, relationship is on the rocks and they're not sure what it looks like. What are some ways for us to respond in these moments? I think always checking in with what the other person is looking for. Some people are looking for reassurance. Some want to be heard. They want validation and asking straight up, like, do you need some reassurance right now that this is going to get better? Or do you want me to just listen to you? Because sometimes people just want to feel understood, Mm. which might mean just asking questions like, what's been the hardest thing, you know, since you had the baby, what are you struggling with? Like, what do you wish was different? What are you thinking about? Instead of just being like, yeah, this time's hard, but don't worry, it's going to get better. And just wait, like those little one-off things that we say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Just like validating their emotions. Like you're not wrong for feeling this way. If I was in your situation, I'd probably feel that way too. Like things like that, where like, you're just acknowledging and validating their experience, you know, like in having conversations with my husband postpartum about how I was feeling and trying to describe it. And I didn't know if my interpretation of like certain situations was right or not. Like he would simply say things like, like, I believe you. Like, I I believe what you're saying, you know, and just like that in itself felt so like, oh, okay, like I can rest here. Like that feeling seen piece. And I think that we as maybe friends who want to support and tangibly physically offer help, maybe don't recognize the importance of just seeing somebody and acknowledging where they're at. Right. Mm -hmm. Even like mom to mom, just being like, oh, I remember that time. It was so hard for me too, when I wasn't sleeping and not really making it all about you where you go into your whole story, but showing that other person, like I've also felt like this, it's normal. And sometimes just seeing somebody that's on the other side of how you felt and they're out in the world and they feel normal can be a lifeline for somebody that's going through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It makes me think of my friend, Jess from Our Mama Village. She talks about using these stories of sameness with our kids. Like I felt the same way when I was in that time of pregnancy or postpartum, like, goodness, it's a really hard time, you know, and we underestimate the power of just validating. And then I think that like to wrap it all up and sort of put a little bow on it, there's a piece of this for even me that then we have to tolerate sometimes that we physically, there might not be anything that we can do. And how do we sit with our own anxiety that we can't fix this situation for our friend or our child or our spouse, right? So then there's some individual work for us to do there, I think. A thousand percent. I think that is the root of why we use toxic positivity is we're almost reassuring ourselves while reassuring the other person. And so there's this act of telling yourself like, I can sit through this feeling. Nothing bad is going to happen to me. I can allow it to like peak and come down on the other side. And like, I am capable of riding this out. And the more that you do that, I mean, I know that from being a therapist, you used to always want to fix people, the easier it gets 
to be like, oh, I got through that and I'm okay. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then as a therapist myself who also like has children <laughs> and wants to do this for my kids even still, right, is something that really that we have to practice because we love so deeply our friends and our family and our community that we want to alleviate their distress and their discomfort. And that's where some of our, you know, well-intentioned toxic positivity comes out. But being able to just say, oh, this is really freaking shitty. Exactly. And just be there, you know, sometimes is the best thing that our friends and community needs. So thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. Tell us, where can we find your book, Toxic Positivity? Congratulations again on releasing this. It's it's such a great work. Where can people find you, your book? Thank you so much. So you can find me on Instagram, TikTok, at sitwithwit. And my website is sitwithwit.com. Toxic Positivity is sold anywhere books are sold. All right. We'll make sure to link all of that in the show notes. We'll link to your page. And uh, put this all over social media when it's out. Thank you again so much for being here with us. Thank you. Doesn't it feel so good to have a name for an experience that has been so uncomfortable in the past? I really appreciate Whitney's perspective on these minimizing and invalidating comments. The reality is that motherhood is hard. It is a mixed bag of complex emotions and experiences. Some days there is joy and excitement and happiness and other days or even moments later, there's frustration and anger or grief or despair. And that's okay. We're human and it's a part of our journey. If you've been struggling with more complex emotions than you expected you would in motherhood, you are not alone. If you're unsure whether your experience is normal or not, I encourage you to book a free 15 minute consult with one of our mom therapists. They can help you to know what is normal and guide you through your adjustment to motherhood. Those who are located in Canada can go to happyasamother.co slash wellness to learn more. And for international mamas who are looking for some support, head to postpartum.net to search Postpartum Support International's Directory of Maternal Mental Health Specialists. I'll see you right back here, same time, same place next week, where I am being joined by infant feeding technician Mallory Whitmore, or as you may know her, the formula mom on Instagram. Mallory is joining us to discuss all things introducing formula and busting some myths around formula feeding. You do not want to miss this episode. I'll see you back here next week. I can't even begin to tell you how happy and honored I am that you choose to spend your time here with me each week. If you're looking for the resources or links from today's show, or you need a refresh on anything we've talked about, visit our show notes. You can find the link in the episode description, or you can head directly to happyasamother.co slash podcast. To join the Happy as a Mother VIP list and be the first one to know about new episode drops, insider info, or freebies, head to happyasamother.co slash newsletter. Until next episode, mama, I want you to know... Keep showing up. You're doing an amazing job.